I'm glad to get to continue to share with you today from one of my childhood heroes that I ultimately learned wasn't so much of a hero. I just looked at the pictures. We started this about a month ago, and uh, we'll continue today and then, and then finish next week. And I'm looking as much forward to next week's sermon as I was to this one, because it's going to be a little different. I'll go ahead and tell you. Last time and this time, we're looking through the Scripture and seeing what the Scripture shows us, you know, with, with specifics. Next week, we're going to look at the story combined and then just make some general principles that we can apply for our own lives with the, with the thought of what kind of story are you writing. So I hope to, I hope to see you next time. I spent, I spent a few years of my teenage years thinking that I was going to be a writer of some sort, hopefully something in sports. And God changed, he changed his plan for me, and I'm grateful for that. But that, that desire to write and to read and to learn and to be able to express, he still used it in a different way, in a much greater way, of sharing the story of his son. And I'm glad that he has called me and allowed me to do this, whatever the age that I'm, that I'm getting to teach. So you can turn to Judges chapter 16 this morning. Just a little brief summary of a few weeks ago, last time we started looking at Samson's life, and we saw that he did so very little with the wonderful gift that God gave him. And I even called him, nobody's, nobody's expressed this, but I call him the Bible's greatest failure because of the enormous gift he was given, and, and we don't read anything good about him. He, he wasted that gift on himself. We learned these three lessons from looking last time at his life. We're all born for a purpose. We decide to live for God's purposes or for our own. <clears throat> and God gives us sufficient time to surrender to his plan. Today we're going to look at the end of Samson's life. And we're going to add three lessons to these three that we've already learned. The first one is actions reveal our loyalties. Actions reveal loyalties. We've just, we've just talked about a camp in Charleston at Charleston Southern University through our convention, through our state convention, that was to be for kids. Just so you know, that was the only week that was canceled. There were, there were multiple weeks of the camp, and this week they're still planning if everybody got well enough. I think it was one person that got sick, and then the others just tested positive. So they're still planning to have that camp this week, and we need to pray for them that they'll be able to do that and that other churches won't be scrambling around and, and trying to do what we did last week. I've got to say this. Jeff told me that I had to say it. He's chairman of our deacon, so I feel I have to say it. When we got to the counter last week to check in on Monday, we got there about 1 o'clock, and you can go inside and take your kids to the water park starting at 1, but you can't check into your rooms until 4. So we would have had to take all these kids in bathrooms. They have a changing area, but you know they don't, they don't want to be changing in front of people. And when I stepped up, the kids were outside in the vans, and I stepped up and told her what was going on, and, and she started checking us in, and just off the cuff, she said, your rooms are already ready, and she kept doing what she was doing. I said, are you kidding? She said, nope, all three rooms are already ready, so y'all can go to your rooms and change, and then go to the water park. And I just told her that this is working out better than we thought, and I told her what had happened. I said, we had a trip, and, and it got canceled, and she said, she sort of got tears in her eyes, and I did too. She said, she said, I'm a pastor's wife, and I'm telling you God did all this because we don't have any rooms. 
She said, there's people that this time of year, they, they come check out and they want to add a date. We, we don't have any rooms. We didn't have any rooms yesterday and we don't have any rooms now. And I don't know how y'all got those rooms except to, get that, except to say God did that. So you and I know, you and I know what just happened. And I, I just sat there with tears in my eyes and told her, thank you. So in June, I did this same trip, but for teenagers at Charleston Southern. That one is called Somersault. The one we were supposed to attend last week was called Kids Salt. And for five days, we were in a pretty intense environment. And some of our teenagers that went, they can tell you about that. It was a pretty intense environment. All day long, they're in classes. They're, they're doing some fun stuff too, but for the whole week, they were learning some things that miraculously we had already been learning on Wednesday night over the past six or seven months. And I may have shared some of this with you, but we were learning basic apologetics, how to defend our faith, and the kind of questions that they receive, that was the first night, and then the rest of the nights were how to make God-honoring decisions. And again, that's what we had been doing for the past six months. So they were just getting reinforcement for what they had been learning at home and seeing this is not just Kevin telling us some bunch of stuff that he thinks is important right now. So for that week, every adult Every teenager had the opportunity every night to surrender to God, to, to, to make a decision for God at that particular worship service. There were, there were specific calls each night, sometimes for just repentance, sometimes for answering God's call in some area of surrender. One night it was for any student that was um, feeling called to ministry, and one night it was for salvation. So they had all these calls, very specific calls, and chances to follow God in a very specific way. Well, I've been on, I can't even tell you, the 20s or 30s, I don't know, times I've been at weeks like this with teenagers, either as a student or as a pastor myself, taking them to these situations. And for some students, this is life-changing. And they respond well. And they truly surrender their lives to God at these weeks. But for others, they go and they're in this environment and they make decisions. And before we're back home two weeks, those decisions are forgotten. Or maybe when school starts, those decisions are brushed aside. Or maybe when their sports season starts back, those decisions are brushed aside. Or maybe when they get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, the decisions that they made show the loyalty that they had. Their actions show their loyalty of whether they were true with what they did or if they're just maybe peer pressure or going through the motions. Our actions always reveal our loyalties. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Samson had one loyalty, and it was himself. As we saw last time, the only time we read about him Killing Philistines is when they had offended him or when he felt that he had been slighted. That's when he took action and that's when he went on his rampages. He specifically rejected God's commands about not intermarrying with the, with the Canaanites. God gave several commands. We see one in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and another one in Joshua 23, but there are others. And then in Judges 14, first three verses, one day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. 
get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked? Why must we go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. Get her for me. I want what I want. I'm not worried about God's laws. I'm not worried about God's rules. I want what I want, and I'm going to get it. Go get her. Now, mother and father tried, and then mother and father failed. They tried to show him God's truth, but then they didn't help him to live it out. They should have let him do that on his own. Mother and father's here. You're going to have children that grow up, and they're going to, they're going to ask you things, and you're going to try to direct them, and then they're going to ask you those things again, and you're going to, you're going to hold your line, you're going to hold God's line, or you're going to give in to their sinful, selfish desires. Here's our warning. Here's your warning. Maybe it's you're helping to raise your grandkids and you need to give your children some advice, some parental advice. Give it. Don't think that you're going to step on toes. Step on the toes. Step on the toes while there's still some hands on those reins that those children are living. Because it won't be long before you won't be able to do anything about it except look and hope and pray and probably do some crying. So don't give in when your children keep asking you to allow them to do things that you know violate God's laws. Samson showed that he cared more about a pretty girl than he did obeying God. Pretty girl is all it took. Fortunately, God accomplished his purposes through believers as well as unbelievers. Did you hear that? God doesn't just work through the lives of those who love him. God works through every person that he has ever created. Sometimes they do it unwillingly, but he still does it. He accomplishes his purposes. Sometimes he accomplishes purposes through obedience, but he also accomplishes his purposes through disobedience. The very next verse, verse 4 says, His father and mother did not realize that the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. I pray that the dominant themes of our lives, I pray that the dominant theme, and this, this is a singular you, but it's for every you. I pray that the dominant theme of your life should say themes, or these two things. Love for Jesus. And when you fail to love Him with obedience, repentance. Love for Jesus and repentance when you fail. And if that is true, you will always be okay. Your sins will never define you, regardless of how big those sins are. God has never stopped loving and blessing repentant sinners. And there are people all over this room who could stand here and tell you for hours the truth of that in their lives and how it has played out. He has never stopped using repentant sinners to reach the world. So may those be the defining themes of our lives. Secondly, we see that we live with the consequences of our actions. We read Samson's story last time through Judges 16.20 and we stopped. For a fourth time, Samson fell asleep in Delilah's arms. This time she cut his hair. We're going to read 20 and then the verse that follows. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before. 
and shake myself free. But he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Gaza was one of the five Philistine capital cities. And it's interesting that he had previously performed one of his greatest feats of strength. In 16 verses 1 through 3, it says, One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Word soon spread that Samson was there, so the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, When the light of morning comes, we will kill him. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. And then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, and lifted them up, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. Anybody know how far Hebron is from Gaza? Guess? Miles? 40. 40 miles. A few years ago, I had friends that loved waterfalls. They still do, but um, this was several years ago, and they said, there's two short places we want to go with you, but you got to make a little hike. Well, Karsten was about three, and she weighed 30 pounds. I'm like, there's no way she can do this hike. We decided to go with them anyway. Kate was able to walk on her own the entire thing, but I was really smart and got one of those little toddler baby backpack things and I put this 30 pound child on my shoulders and it set up really high so the weight really was up here on my shoulders and that was good this this hike was a mile and a half up to a waterfall and a mile and a half back and I did it with a couple of breaks but I was tired and I had to keep adjusting where this weight was on my shoulders and that was a 30 pound child and it was just three miles how, how many of you get tired from going out to the car and bringing in your bags of groceries? Now, I understand if you're tired, if you're one of those, I can't think of a good descriptive, but one of those stubborn people who is only going to make one trip and you've got the bags lined up here and up here and one around your neck. I understand that one trip can get you breathing heavy and worn out. But just going inside and outside, inside and outside with those bags of groceries, that is tiring. So if nothing else, you know, you can think about the jawbone that Samson used and the thousand Philistines that he killed. But to put something on his shoulders that he pulled up. You ever tried to pull up a chain link fence post? Just one? Not even in concrete, just in dirt. It's not possible. And this man had God-given strength to rip those things out of the ground and then just to walk them 40 miles away and set them down. No big deal. So you're getting an idea of how he was blessed and how selfish he was with this blessing. God took that strength that he had given Samson in an instant. The verse we read before says he didn't realize that God had left him. Why did he keep telling Delilah, you know, what's, what my, he kept getting closer and closer and then finally just told her. And as we said last time, I think it's just because he didn't think it would matter. He just thought, I got this. I can do this. I don't need, he just, he just took credit for what God had given him and he found out otherwise. God took that strength for him in an instant, his foolish, selfish lifestyle had finally caught up with him. 
He forgot that his strength came from God. He forgot that he wasn't self-sufficient. Notice the price that he paid for his selfishness. It was irreversible. He lost his strength. He lost his sight. And he lost his freedom. His strength, his sight, and his freedom. Galatians 6-7, Paul writes, Do not be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God and get away with it. You will always reap what you sow. Consequence just means result. Too many times people hear the word consequence and they just go to bad. You're going to suffer the consequences. I'm like, what if it's good? What if I do something right? Am I going to rejoice in the consequence? Just means result. There are good consequences and there are bad consequences. You do something good, a good consequence will likely follow. This is what the Proverbs about. Proverbs aren't absolutes. All those things written in those 31 chapters, they're not absolutes, and you have seen those lived out. Just because you train up a child in the way he should go or the way she could go, it doesn't mean absolutely that they're going to love and follow Jesus. It's just what gives a good option, a good likelihood to happen if you do that. But it's not an absolute. There are good consequences and there are bad consequences. And generally speaking, good reaps good and bad reaps bad. And we are forced to live with the life we build. You hear that? It doesn't matter if you're 80 years old. You still, you're still here. And you're still building. And you're still growing. And you're still adding on a room. You're still making an addition. And we are forced to live with the life that we build. We don't get to live lives of rebellion and deceit and wastefulness and selfishness. And then when the consequences of that kind of life start rolling in, just go trade them in for a wonderful life like we would an old car for a new car. We don't get to trade it in. We must live in the house that we build. We must live in the house that we build. God will always help us to deal with our negative consequences when we repent. This was part of our Sunday school lesson this morning. When we repent, regardless of the sins we have committed, God will always help us to deal with the consequences that we have created for ourselves. There is always forgiveness when there is repentance. There is always restoration. There is always help when a child of God calls out to him from the belly of a whale, from the bottom of a prison, wherever it is. When our sins can put us in bad situations, repentance always brings his help. But he doesn't usually take away the consequences. We still must live in the house that we build. If the life that you're building causes all kinds of pain and disease to your body, you can cry out to God and you can get a million people praying for restoration of your body and do all of those things. But probably you're going to be forced to live with the body that you have abused. Have you seen that? We know that is true. We are forced to live with the life that we build. And Samson is sad proof of that. Third and lastly today, God's plans don't fail even when we do. Here's, here's a little more hope. God's plans don't fail even when we do. Samson failed. He ruined his life. He wasted God's gifts on himself instead of using them for God. He left the Israelites whom God had put there to protect, to deliver for that period of time, those 20 years. 
and be the judge for that period of time, offering protection for the Israelites. He left them in danger. After losing his sight, what good was his strength if he had had it restored? After losing his sight, what, how, how much danger is a blind, strong man? But did God freak out and wonder what to do when Samson completely failed? Did God say, I had this big plan, and, and this, this sinful human, shocker, didn't follow through with my plan, and now I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm going to God never freaks out. God is not surprised by our stupidity. God is not surprised by our failures. God knows who we are, and he chooses to love and to use us anyway. Our sins and failures don't change his plans. They might keep us from being involved in his plans. But they don't change his plans because his plans can't be stopped and they can't be changed. Just like with Jonah and others in Scripture, Samson even got another chance to be a part of God's plans. Look at verses 22 through 30. But before long... His hair began to grow back. The Philistine rulers held a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their god, Dagon. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. And when the people saw him, they praised their god, saying, our God has delivered our enemy to us. The one who killed so many of us is now in our power. Half drunk by now, the people demanded, bring out Samson so he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them, and they had him stand between the pillars, supporting the roof. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, Place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the Philistine rulers were there, and there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. And then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. And then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Samson acknowledged finally that his strength came from God and that he was helpless without God. His prayer was still selfish. Do you notice? Let me pay them back. No, I want to be used for you to accomplish your purpose. Let me pay them back for the Loss of my two eyes. Even so, God gave this broken man another chance to fulfill his purpose. But we've got to recognize that this time, being a part of God's plan calls Samson his life. Don't miss that. God may give us extra chances, but sometimes the damage we do to ourselves while rebelling against him is irreversible. Don't ignore God. Don't rebel against Him. We can't win against Him. We can't stop what He is doing. God, th this is... This is um, 
this shows us who we truly are, and it shows us God's great love for us, that He loves us even though He doesn't need us. God doesn't need any of us. It's far greater than that. God wants us. He doesn't need us, but He still wants us. Because God will work with us, or He will work without us, or He will even work in spite of us. Be one of those that God works because we work with Him, instead of without Him or in spite of Him. I wonder this. You have other heroes from those Old Testament Bible stories, maybe when you were a kid sitting on mama's or grandma's lap looking through the pictures and you see, some of you are going to think about these things, you see David and he's got that sling pulled back and he's about to let it go and it's just a picture, but you remember the story. Or maybe you see a man sitting in this rock cave den and he's just sitting there and there's, there's, there's lions all around him and their mouths are shut and he's just sitting there. Maybe you see Jonah and he's being spit out on a beach. But you see these people who you read their stories. You read their stories. You had somebody that, that you, you specifically liked. How would Samson's story read if he had been a man like Joseph? Or if he had been a man like David? Or if he had been a man like Daniel? What would God have done through him? if he had been a man after God's own heart. Don't let that be said about you. You are still here. You still have time to surrender to God's purpose for you and to follow it. Let your story, which we will talk about next week, let the story that you're, you're writing with your lives be a good story. Let it be a heroic story. And I don't want to go too much into next week. So we will end for now just right here. Would you pray with me?